0: questions for this week. Can tech learn from hip-hop? Can hip-hop promote literacy? And everything else in between. Hello Pete here and welcome to EdTech Innovators. It's been a while. I've been nowhere, like you have. And this week we're at the intersection of education, tech and hip-hop with money faces. Enjoy it. (laughs) Manny faces. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Really good to see you. And uh, you've you're, you've done this kind of thing before, hence the beautiful backdrop. Which,
1: uh, <laughs> one yeah. or two times maybe. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. So we've got some um, wonderful things which I'll talk about. If that's okay. We've got some inspirational uh, phrases there. So uh, the uh, what's that about the words I manifest?
1: <laughs> yeah, play off of uh, the the name Manny uh, Faces, which is a play off of. Uh, several things uh so wordplay uh abounds uh here in the background it's uh it's 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 actually a title of i think i was doing either a blog or a com- commentary series and uh also uh, the title of a song by uh, hip-hop artist uh, guru uh, gangstar words um, yeah. i manifest so uh, yeah it's just a play on several things that have to do with what i do We love a bit of wordplay. Yeah. Yeah. And that that all
0: fits into with what you're about. So um, why, I mean, before we started recording, we were talking about where this uh, podcast sits. So, you know, between education, technology, uh, positivity. Um, and um, innovation. So um, I think that you're a similar kind of uh, polymath in, in so far as you've, you've got s- several disciplines that feed into what you're about. So one of them is hip hop, of course, one of them is technology, one is education. So could you possibly explain um, how they all fuse together?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a hip hop guy. So that means that I grew up adjacent with the culture and immersed within the, the culture and the music and the artistic side of things uh since you know very young kid uh grew up right outside of new york on uh, long island so we were kind of the the sixth borough you know we were kind of the in the shadow of the city so a lot of the things that were happening in hip-hop we were maybe a half step behind but you know still fully influenced and immersed and um through the years uh i got into uh, journalism uh as well but sort of alternative journalism uh what we'd call you know the news weeklies not the mainstream dailies uh, and I and I ran with this ragtag bunch of uh, journalists who would cover a lot of uh, stories or angles from a different uh, from a different perspective. Uh, we would be the ones going against maybe uh, we, we might call out a, an ad, a, a corporation for doing some malfeasance, uh, but that advertiser that that company was the advertiser of the mainstream newspaper, so you might not see that kind of coverage. stuff like that. Put some crooked cops on blast, uh, things like that. Um, and through, the, through that time, I, I started uh, developing my own journalism side career covering hip-hop music and culture, uh, specifically around the New York area. And that, that gave me some insight into the independent scene and, and where hip-hop had gone to different epicenters in America at the time, Houston and Atlanta. Uh, New York wasn't getting the kind of coverage that it once had as sort of the Mecca, as they call it. Um, so I played around in that sandbox for a little while. And through that, I was discovering a lot of, um, not just the entertainment value, not just the artistry, not just what everyone thinks of when they think of hip hop or, or even rap, but I started coming across individuals and organizations that were using hip hop in very innovative ways. Uh, and these things, these areas of intersection uh, included education, for example, uh, hip hop being used in classrooms as a, as a pedagogical tool not, not just a subject of study, but as a tool, as a method of teaching. Um, at, at some point I, I outgrew my beat, the, the New York beat that I kind of created for myself uh, and decided that these stories, these intersections, these uh, ways that hip hop was being used in innovative and inspiring ways was worth spending a little more time Delving into and and telling those stories Uh, again being used in in educational settings being used as tools to help uh, in mental health counseling settings. Uh, Just a myriad ways of 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 using the art and culture to, as you said, positivity to to improve lives and to uplift society Uh, and so for the last couple of years, I have been. uh, Studying those individuals and organizations and. doing my best to preach their gospel good so
0: are you okay if we unpack all of that then or, or much of it anyway so for yeah, example absolutely. um if kids in as you say k-12 we say in secondary school so if you're 13 years old something like that sure. uh and obviously mental health isn't you know arguably we're in the middle of a, a potential mental health time bomb of course aren't we because of covid right. so right. how might being engaged in hip-hop uh, potentially help with that
1: yeah, there's a there's a whole spectrum of ways, and, and again, not, not an educator myself, or you know, or necessarily using these in practice, but uh, paying attention to this to I'd say more than burgeoning, it's a long standing uh, kind of ex- um, faction of, of educational you know teaching. Um, part of it is rooted in the idea of being a, a, of culturally relevant pedagogy, right? Teaching uh, you know young students particularly students you know if we're talking about you know america if we're talking about african-american students uh black and brown communities where you want to have just a better cultural connection to to your students um there's the theory that you know the educational system as a whole doesn't do this very well (laughs) over here uh and that you're you you miss out on connection with students just on a base level, just every, if you were doing everything else the same, by not having a cultural connection, not having uh, teachers from within the communities, uh, not uh, taking time to understand your students' way of life, their vernacular, their likes and dislikes, the way they talk, walk, dress, very often you'll tell your students, leave that at the door.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Don't come in here with your, you know, with your, you know, insert current fashion trend here. Don't come in here, you know, we don't say that in this classroom, we don't speak this way here, we don't do it that way. And so what you're doing is you're immediately putting up this blockade and saying, who you are is not welcome in this space. And that's wow. harmful, just again, if, if all ever, all the other things were equal. Where, where hip hop plays a specific role, again, there's, 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 there's a few ways and it depends on subject and it depends on what we're talking about exactly. Most people will say, Oh, it's like learning the alphabets. You make a rap song, you pack it with uh, items of knowledge, and people are able to, you know, learn it, be able to recite it, and now they've learned this knowledge uh, that they need for, you know, so it's rote memorization, but you know, done to a funky beat. Okay, you know, it works, and it definitely works. There's a lot of kids now could tell you all about the founding fathers because they listened to Hamilton a thousand times. <laughs> so it definitely works and it's definitely worked there's been test prep uh companies that have uh have teach employed teaching artists that know how to rap know how to create raps are authentic in their you know uh artistic uh, credibility and so they're not just kind of trying you know, it's not just teachers that don't know how to do this that are trying to figure it out it's you know they they employ teaching artists they cre- uh, create uh, they craft rhymes that are, again, filled with the subject matter that these kids need is pass a standardized test. Mm-hmm. And it was something like 80% of kids who previously would fail this standardized test, be it social studies or, or some subject like that, 80% then went on to pass the test after going through this sort of uh, exercise. So that's one thing. And that, it, you know, my whole thing is if that works, you know then why aren't we doing it <laughs> right and and when you talk about and we'll talk about how the pandemic has affected education but just one like another quick example uh, and again there's a, a an an tech, an educational technology company called vocabulary mm-hmm. that packages these things they're huge they operate in tens of thousands of schools uh, i've talked with i've interviewed them you know they're they're great and they package this idea and for, for kind of mass distribution um but there's also something, too, taking that a step further. Uh, the science genius uh, battles, for example. Dr. Chris Emden, who is a, a, one of the you know, leaders of this hip-hop education movement, uh, piloted a program some years ago where they'd go into, again, teaching, bring a teaching artist, bring an educator and, and you know, a rap artist, go into classrooms, uh, and again, have the children, the young students, usually, like, say, secondary school, 7th, 8th, ninth grade around here, um, and they would craft rap songs based on the scientific material that they had that they, they, were, they were studying. Mm-hmm. But beyond doing that, they would then compete. They would perform those songs for their for their peers in the classroom, and then that classroom would pick a, you know some finalists and go against another classroom, and then there'd be a citywide uh, you know finals, big championship battle. And that, with the friends and the family members coming to the auditorium, the whole, the whole thing, and you couldn't find any more engaged student in any science classroom. I'm, I'm speaking anecdotally, but there's, you know, trust me, <laughs> that you know, more engaged than those kids. And the the key to it is not only are you telling them that we write this thing and we memorize it and it happens to rhyme, but you have to have mastery of a subject. To some degree, to be able to like put in a song and kind of have it make sense and have it structured in that way, it just adds more um, to it. So, just in a couple of ways that we've seen the interaction in in the classroom, just a couple of examples. But you can play that out over and over again in any subject. Uh, and again, when, when it comes to you know mental health and 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 counseling sessions, you know we used to write you know write a poem about how you feel, you know, and you or you know write an essay. Well, the young people, and this is. Across all demographics and worldwide, the young people don't write poems, they don't write essays, but they'll write a rap. Uh, so we see that it's just a it's a it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a way to engage and, and get their attention, and when done with thought, with you know thoughtfulness, you know planning it out, not just haphazard or thinking that it's uh, there's a, a I think the scientific a bajillion uh different applications uh for these kind of intersections to help kids Uh, and especially especially in the communities again where they may not have those resources to begin with it may be an underfunded school district they may have a lot of other problems going on in those school districts um uh, but again across all demographics some of these things uh most of these these tactics that 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 we're seeing used just work everywhere and just work with young people because hip-hop is not just a you know uh an african-american vernacular is not a thing it's not a, it's a youth culture why it's said but again you're also just giving even more advantages to those who need it the most
0: mm. oh, i must uh, i must ask you what what specifically is your involvement in all of this then money yeah. so for example do you go out to schools and work with kids on workshops and so on
1: uh yes and no uh my main overarching is sort of like as i mentioned sort of as a journalist as someone that 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 tells these stories amplifies these messages uh and advocates for their use uh because i find that a lot of times uh certainly some of them again have their own uh platforms and they're out there doing it but a lot of people who are using uh, hip-hop in in innovative ways are spending a lot of time trying to have to convince people that it's uh that it has merit uh, there's a, obviously a, a very big perception, uh, issue with hip hop and rap music. And, and unfortunately those communities typically associated with, um, and that has to be overcome because of course there are, uh, negative aspects of, of hip hop, of music, of, you know, of some of these cultural, um, areas of focus. But, uh, I like to go and, and make sure that I'm amplifying, uh, these, uh, These Mm -hmm. innovations—it's—it's kind of my thing, but I am involved in some some regards. I've done some uh, speaking uh, and facilitating of workshops. So for one, this is very much aligned with what we're talking about, extremely because of the technological aspect. Uh, I've I've helped facilitate and I'm a a a featured speaker at workshops that that are uh, hip hop hackathons. Mm -hmm. All right, so this is now the blending of hip hop music and culture and technology directly uh there's a great organization called hip-hop hacks of which i'm a a facilitator and a mentor and we have run workshops where uh, i'll give you one great example i'll give you two great examples one great example is uh kids were and again these are kids that necessarily don't have these kinds of classes in their school they don't necessarily have these after school programs all right but every young kid is brilliant and every young kid has a phone and they're in touch with technology and they know how to do this stuff but the the the, uh, the task was they had a pizza box, a cardboard box. They had aluminum foil strips. They had some wires. They had a Raspberry Pi and a laptop. And those kids were taught how to make a drum machine. Wow! By That's stringing cool. all that together and then you know tapping the, uh, the 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 conduits and making and you know through the laptop and making beats. Mm. So in that little super engaging session, these kids got a little bit of touch of you know, electronics, engineering, programming, coding, and we're riveted by it. And, and it's just an ingenious thing to do. Yeah. The other example is a, a program called Python MC, which I think they just renamed, and I, uh, you'll have to forgive me, I don't remember what they named, renamed it to, but it's using a, an online uh, platform called EarSketch. Uh, and uh, it's through a college, uh, I think has it uh, mounted on there. But uh, on top of that, they built this thing called Python MC which allows you to make beats loops put loops on top of each other put loops extend them make you know make uh different patterns but you have to do it all by programming in python Mm. i've seen i've seen this afternoon session in four hours and and these and and young people as, as young as 12 13 like having a basic understanding of programming first of all if then's all the things uh and then uh, and then coming out, having a basic knowledge and understanding of coding and a fun way to keep practicing at it.
0: Mm. It sounds like an even cooler um, version of uh, Makerspaces. I don't know if you're familiar with Makerspaces mm. across the U.S. and the yep. U.S. They're, they're advocates of Raspberry Pi too, because they, they're obviously I'm not an expert on Raspberry Pi, but what I do know is that coding is quite a, a miserable thing to do, but, but Raspberry Pi <laughs> makes it accessible and inclusive. Right. right. That's miserable.
1: Yeah, that, and that's what I find fascinating about it. And when we talk about uh, you know all these innovations, and it's it's hip hop's always been kind of ahead of the game in terms of innovating. And you know, uh, you know, we obviously the music industry has been led by hip hop innovations for forty years. Uh, fashion, television, uh, 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 you know, advertising and marketing is, is all you know uh, completely, as I say, been remixed by by hip hop over the years. Uh, but to see these these educational things being used, and then at a time when we need to go online, we have these things that are online. <laughs> they're, they're re- we've already taken them online. We've already been using them in class, but also you know online. So I found that hip hop has this great resiliency uh, on top of everything else uh, to be able to hip hop never plays by the rules anyway and and was never supposed and was never let to play the rules. Uh, I do a, a long talk on how hip hop hacked everything. Uh, since was, you know, I was just going. Yeah, I was going to say.
0: I mean, you know, discuss the idea that hip hop is, is really essentially a, a series of tech hacks and made by disruptors. That's essentially how you could uh, define it to aliens, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yes. Or those who are, you know, think it's alien. Yes. <laughs> uh, but Yeah. In fact, and, and, and the talk, I, I, I do a nice talk and I've, I've given this talk at, at, at hackathons and in, in tech, you know, spaces that aren't hip hop heads. They're not, they don't, they're regular folk. Like some people like hip hop. Sure. Um, but you talk about the innovations that have happened, uh, the two turntables being used sort of as a, as, as an instrument, the back and forth of being able to take a, 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 the drum break on a vinyl record have two copies of that drum break of that record and go back and forth to extend the drum break, break, the, 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 that break part of the song that let the dancers dance and the rappers rap. And the DJ could do that and have a crossfader and, and, and a mixer that was set for that. And a, and a record player that was, uh, that had the right torque. This is a uh, grand flash said I had to go find the right record player that had the right torque mm-hmm. because I'm stopping the record. And I'm starting it back up. I'm touching the record. My dad was a jazz and blues connoisseur with a Lafayette record player, diamond tip. And, but if I, if I touched his records, you know, so hip hop was just doing, breaking all the rules. We're touching the record. You're not supposed to touch the records. You're not supposed to backspin it. You're not Mm -hmm. supposed to do all these things. Um, And, and using that uh, obviously spawned the genre musically. um, But again, uh, so, and that was like reverse engineering, you know, try, you know he, he uh, Grandmaster Les says, I needed something you could spin the record back on. There's a metal plate under most of these turntables and you'd scratch the other side of the record or ruin it. He says, my mom was a seamstress. So I took, I found felt. He said felt was great, but it's limp. So I found her starch and I sprayed felt with starch and invented what we now call the slip mat. I mean, it's an inventor. That's an invention. This, the, the roots of hip hop and everything since then electronic music stuff kind of, you know, varied out of that Uh, turntablism, uh, you know, beat making drum machines, uh, you know, uh, the beat box, just making the music with your mouth, you know, so many uh, wild innovations that translated into the music, and then again, outward into different uh, aspects of uh, of culture. Um, That's why I think it's so uh, important that people look the often overlooked uh again hip-hop very very narrow-minded i think people think of it in in, in a very narrow way sometimes it's important mm-hmm. to understand um, that these are tools well could we
0: pause for a second there because uh, obviously you, you're a hip-hop aficionado to say the least but i'll share with you uh, if i may my two hop yeah. moments so you're talking about grandma's flash before i saw yes. Grandmaster flash last year in liverpool wow right unbelievable wow. In, in, a, in a really small venue in a, in a hotel I Called the Champion Hotel. It was absolutely unbelievable. And um, 1992, Public Enemy, Reading Festival. My
1: God, unbelievable! Wow, doesn't get any better yeah, well, than that. Hey, listen, those are those are. Uh, I I I have not seen Public Enemy. I grew up on Long Island, where Public Enemy is from. Uh, yeah. So you know, and obviously, yeah, I used to listen to them on the radio before they became Public Enemy. You know what I mean? Like it was right around that same time frame. Uh, mm. But you don't get much better than 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 those two examples. In fact, Public Enemy. You know, I talked that whole political edge, you know, that whole social justice edged, you know, aspect of what they do. I think a lot of people, again, people think very narrowly of hip hop and and, and they, they may not because they don't see something as as large and impressive as Public Enemy. And, uh, you know, music on the radio or in the mainstream, you know, uh, in the mainstream uh, doesn't necessarily have those kind of messages anymore people think that that those things don't exist anymore mm-hmm. and i think part of the advocacy work that i do is also for those ideas and for those artists because there are uh, a lot of artists that are not only doing how do you say like protest music or socially conscious or socially relevant music but many of them are artists slash activists that are doing that work. They're literally out there on the ground. They're community organizers. They're, uh, there was a big, you know, with the, with, the, with the elections in Atlanta out here, the hip-hop community played a big role in that. Uh, so, I, you know, when you mention public enemy, it's the first thing, that, you know, a lot of people say, man, I wish we had public enemies. I don't know. we have a lot of little public enemies. We still, you know, the, that blueprint is being followed to this day. So it's interesting that you bring them up.
0: Absolutely, and, and we, we could go deep for a second here as well and, and think about, you know, broader culturally and so on. So, you know, obviously we're talking about innovation, we're talking about sort of grassroots and so on, but this exists within the context of, you know, increasing um, corporate power and increasing uh, political power and you know, neoliberalism and so on in the context of Trump, of course, over the last uh, four years. Um, where, where is the, the space for this kind of thing to breathe?
1: It's a it's a question for the ages, uh, you know, for hip hop folks, especially because, again, we, we, we get jaded and we and we feel like the power that uh, I, I often say this. It's, I think maybe it's, it's part of your point. A long time ago, these messages were more uh, you'd find them easier on, again, mainstream, mass produced platforms. And at some point it changed. And there's a big debate as to how purposeful that was or how, you know, if it's just uh, because of the, you know, the times or what sells. And there's big debates about this in, in hip hop and and, and with and outside of hip hop. Um, and we lament the fact that we don't have these messages being broadcast, you know, on FM radio, on the airwaves anymore. And, and there's a whole, again, we can go down that road, but I... I'm a little bit more optimistic because I think that hip hop's power now. What I used to say about that whole phenomenon was that hip hop was always kind of about community. We could all be, you know, I'm not from the same community. I'm not the same anything as, you know, the originators of hip hop, but we do have, we are a community together and we all have this and that's, that's the worldwide appeal of it, but it becomes a problem to some people when community starts to look like constituency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that when, you know, when Public Enemy had that power, when, 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 when Poor Righteous Teachers, when krs won, when, when these uh, Brand Nubian were, were on the radio and it was really out there, I think at some point somebody realized what was happening here and saying this is actually uh, maybe not the narrative we want. I, again, whether it's purposeful or not. Um, but what I like about today and, and why I do some of this work is because it's, it, again, it's so important not to overlook this. Uh, you have artists that are activists, right? You have artists that are founding community groups. I uh, shout to the late Majesty uh, and, and my friend Hassan Salam, who are New York based artists, and a couple years ago had an album release party at Webster Hall in New York City, which is now closed. Uh, I mean, even before everything, it was closed. And at that, uh, because they're, mind, they're, they're mindful of these issues at that album release party, there were tables set up, not just selling merchandise, but from Cop Watch, which is an organization that works on protecting the public against police brutality. You know, two or three organizations like that at the album release party. Mm. As, as as close to the grass as those roots can get, they were there and they were putting that information out there to the party goers who were there to, to see them. Uh, and their music wasn't only this, it had some things to do with that. Majesty is another person, again, uh, rest in peace, but that would go and travel to Cuba and to Palestine. And as an artist would, you know, be doing these things. I have artist friends that are in juvenile detention centers that are working with young people that are also helping craft the bills that would close the youth prisons at the same time. I have uh, friends like Genesis B who uh, protested the, the Confederate symbol, which was still existing on the Mississippi state flag, mm-hmm. protested it. It made a big bunch of noise, then went on the road and did a whole campaign against it, leading up to, and this has taken 100 years to do, leading to the removal of the Confederate flag uh, uh, symbolism on the Mississippi state flag. To me, yes, if, you know, some superstar did a song and it was on, you know, the radio and they did a video and, you know, uh, you know, protesting or speaking on these issues, that's nice. What's better and what's more powerful is that hip hop can do this kind of work everywhere. And it's actual work. It's not. It's not performative. It's not you know signaling. It's it's doing that actual work. It's being done. Uh, and when the schools don't give us the civics training, our young people don't get the civics training. I don't know how it is you know everywhere, but they don't teach you civic eds. We we don't have an understanding of how the government works, so we're very easily misled by disinformation or all these other things. Well, you know, Dr. Bettina Love has a uh, it's curriculum called Hip Hop Civics Ed, and it's a package, and you could like get it, and you could hire that, and they could, and this uh, as an after-school activity or as a community center. You know, like you know, these things, these solutions exist. Pockets Change, an organization that teaches financial literacy through hip hop to kids, because they're not being. No one gets taught financial literacy in the school. I'm still, I'm still yeah. trying to learn yeah. how to be financially literate, but again, through these same techniques, these engaging. Uh, interesting, informative, but entertaining ways of getting information across to people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Hip hop can do that. And now I think a little bit more than ever, because back then we had to rely on the, the radio station playing the music, or we had to hope that you'll buy the records or watch your MTV raps. Those were, We didn't have a lot of outlets. Mm-hmm. So yes, all that stuff is gone from the mainstream and the radio is kind of just mindless party drivel. I get it. Sure. It'd be nice if more of, you know, what gets, uh, what gets the people going, (laughs) uh, makes it to the radio, but it's out there. We're, we're seeing it be very effective in a lot of different ways. Some of which we talked about today. Uh, and I think more should be made of it. Mm. That's, that's my task. Well, well,
0: bring on 2021, of course, because um, one of the, the ongoing themes that, that has emerged during this podcast, of course, is what people have done um, and what, what kind of positivity people have taken from um, from COVID and how they're looking forward to the future and, and doing things in a different way. Um, how do you feel that you and, and uh, people who do what you do and people who share your passions are going to do things better in 2021 and 2022?
1: It's a good question. I think that uh, a lot, you know, has been learned, I think, uh, even if you're not comfortable, even if stuff, life has been really stressful, uh, there's lessons to to learn about, you know, all kinds of things, resiliency and, uh, you know, being creative and trying to find ways to do things. I have a five-year-old who we've been teaching, you know, doing the the homeschooling thing and, and it's difficult and not homeschooling, the remote learning. Uh, and it's difficult and it's has uh, got two parents in the household and can help out. And so it's going pretty well as well as it can. Uh, but I know that that doesn't exist for a lot of, for a lot of people. And so there are challenges. Uh, I think part of it is really where, where all this starts for me is that we can be creative. We can find ways to solve problems, uh, and and again, we were forced to do that with all of this. How do we work? How do we go to school? How do we commute? How do we talk to people? How do we have parties? How do we have funerals? We had to figure all this. I just did a Zoom party, a five-year-old Zoom party, and you know, it wasn't so bad. You know, <laughs> you know. Um, so I think that I've talked to a bunch of educators, uh, and again, some of them are you know, again, hip hop based or hip hop minded, and they were like, yeah, we know, like. All we ever do as, as hip hop minded folk is kind of figure it out as we go along, figure out a way. We can't get the thing, so we do it th- that way. We can't afford the this, so we make this, you know? Uh, that's what all of hip hop o- always was. So, I find, and there's other, there's just brilliant people that are innovative, but I just find there's something about hip hop. There's something about people that have that kind of uh, ethos or that kind of understanding of, of things that we're never afraid, we don't expect uh, the, the, the path to be clear. So I think coming back to regular life is, well, what can we do? What, you know, what have we figured out along the way? What did we toy with? What, what worked? What didn't? Uh, and take some of those lessons and keep going. But again, I think that hip hop, especially on the educational front, and again, this is an American point of view. I, I can't speak for the world. Um, but those communities that I talked about, you know, African-American, Hispanic communities, and again, some of our poor white communities, uh, these are communities that aren't resourced to begin with. They're, they're having problems dealing with the pandemic uh, at a uh, much more disproportionate rate. Health-wise, for sure, but educational-wise, the impact experts say that you know, it could be twice as uh, bad, uh, whatever educational, emotional, financial ramifications of the pandemic on young students. So what I'm saying is, I'm not making this stuff up. These receipts are out there. These great practitioners, educators, uh, have all been doing this work for a long time. If you ask anybody about the kids falling behind and the disadvantaged ones who are falling behind even more, anyone will say, I just hope they're able to catch up. Well, these paths have been, these foundations have been set. We can use these tools, uh, to make up for that lost time to do even they, it exists. And now would be, uh, kind of the time to do it because they are going to suffer from the the uh, the effects of this so i always plead even before a pandemic i was going around saying all these things and you know suggesting that tech leaders look at you know hip-hop and folks who come from that community they're innovating every day you don't have them in your shop they're coming to different perspectives but then they're all going to be on clubhouse well (laughs) you know uh you can get a lot of innovation not just uh you know uh supplying those communities but inviting them into the fold and helping you innovate and move forward just like you know the 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 uh, the hacks we've talked about for a long time but to help those communities and again it's really across the board Uh, i don't care what country you're in i don't care what demographic you're in uh some of these tactics and these ways of 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 entertaining of uh, engaging young people and again, the mental health aspect, we didn't even touch on, but, you know, there's so many counselors that are using the same kind of thing that I've talked to on my show and that are out there literally saving lives. And if those problems are going to be exponential, then let's get these solutions ramped up, uh, implemented, piloted, tried, funded, whatever you need to do uh, to try to, you know, integrate some of these uh, intersections in- into, uh, into the problem to try and get it solved mm. better. Faster, stronger, <laughs> etc. Well,
0: this has been so fascinating, Manny, and I'm so grateful that you've uh, that you've taken time to speak to me today. You know, I really am inspired, yeah. and as soon as I end this conversation, I'm going to check out Flow Capillary, of course. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and matter of fact, because you have such a quick turnaround, can I can I plug one event that's happening? Please do. That I think you uh, you'd be interested, your listeners. Uh, the, it's a global conference on hip hop education. So again, I'm not making this stuff up. This isn't theoretical. Uh, there's been conferences. Uh, the uh, hip hop ed is a, is a thing. There's an organization called hip hop ed. Uh, they have a weekly Twitter chat on Tuesdays. Uh, and so there'll be one tonight, but every Tuesday, hashtag hip hop ed. And you can find these kinds of discussions specifically about education uh, from a hip hop kind of point of view. Uh, but from February 3rd to the 9th, uh, uh, the Global Conference on Hip Hop Education will be happening. It's online. It was supposed to be at, a, at ASA College here in New York. It'll be, pardon me, online, several days, presentations by academics and scholars and you know brilliant people about some of these topics. Uh, you can find out about it uh, at HHAAE.org. It's the Hip Hop Association of Advancement and Education. Uh, It's also on my website uh, because I'll be the moderator and host of the online sessions. Right. So uh, teachers of English maybe
0: could get ideas of how to teach Shakespeare using hip-hop, for
1: example. Yes. You know, I I interviewed a guy named Sage Salvo, a brilliant guy, and he teaches literacy. uh, So he'll use Shakespeare, but he'll uh, juxtapose it with uh, Jay-Z. And so we'll say, hey, here's a literary device that existed in Shakespeare. Here's here's that literary device in, in, in a song you're familiar with. I mean, then boom, you now you understand literary devices, you know, and so he'll do a lot of juxtaposing back and forth there to make, uh, you know, studying of, of the classics a little bit easier. Uh, mm-hmm. And he has a his program was called Words Live. Uh, and uh, so, yes, yes to that. Uh, math can be you can be taught with hip hop, uh, just fractions and beats, you know, the way the beat is set up and it's, it's fractions It's just one way of doing it, not to mention the memorization stuff works pretty well with math um uh, there's i i'm i'd like to say that there's nothing hmm. that can't be taught better
0: yeah oh well, geography you know, hip-hop has an ecosystem for example 100
1: uh, yeah. percent. yeah yeah uh and then one thing that we've able to been uh to do is incorporate it from a journalistic standpoint i have a podcast called newsbeat and that's a social justice oriented podcast where we actually interview experts and in, Academics, or you know, journalists, or or activists, and people on the ground being affected by social justice issues here in America, and um, we'll have those interviews uh, woven together underneath. Uh, and underneath, we play a bed of music. But then, at three intervals during the song, we've invite uh, we've invited independent hip hop lyricists to actually compose a verse related to that topic. So, if we're talking about climate change, or we're talking about the the movement to close youth prisons, or if we're talking about uh, the idea of prison abolition or any of these like hot button items we will have experts and luminaries talking about it. And then we punctuate that with original lyrics uh, from artists. So it's this, uh, someone said, it's like listening to music documentary and, you know, at the same time. Uh, So it's a really fascinating way that I think that we try to really combine those, those worlds to, uh, not just educate, but inform, uh, you know, and engage in in a, in a totally unique way. So, yeah, I don't think there's any aspect of anything that can't be helped uh, with a little bit of hip hop.
0: Absolutely. And one more thing, if if I may, um, absolutely, sure. Obviously, the the world seems very large all of a sudden, doesn't it? Now, we're not going anywhere. So, uh, so I don't exactly. really understand what's going on in the U.S. So, how has the mood changed now? We know that Trump is uh, finally on his way out.
1: That's <sighs> interesting. We and we talk about this, uh, you know. <sighs> I, I think that uh certainly if you're if you weren't a fan of Trump uh or or that administration uh or the last four years, uh there's a, on a you know, un you, you can't help but to feel sort of relieved. Uh it just seems it's like an exhale. Mm-hmm. Uh now there are some of us who are a little bit wary of even, you know, Biden's, uh, an administration, we've criticized Obama's administration. We've criticized, uh, you know, a bunch of things happening that even, uh, you know, you've talked about neoliberalism earlier, you know, there's a lot of things that, that could be, uh, held to account, uh, but hopeful and optimistic and, uh, you know, kind of breathing a sigh of relief. Uh, some of the stuff that we've seen though, obviously the insurrection on the Capitol, uh, and some of the, um, you know, bizarre uh, beliefs that remain and, and were amplified toward the end of this, you know, the, the the time before the inauguration is worrisome. And so, you know, we don't want to lose sight of how much that ramped up and how ugly that got. Uh, on Newsbeat, for example, on the podcast, we talked three years ago about how the uh, uh, the threat of, of white supremacist, uh, you know, radical. Radical Caucasian extremism <laughs> in the United States uh, was being under uh, reported, under you know, under uh, under em- yeah, underemphasized. And I mean, it, we, and we again, we didn't, we weren't, we didn't break the news. We were reporting on people who were saying that back then, mm-hmm. uh, and then it just went up and, and, and snowballed from there. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a sigh of relief, but you know, it's like walking the streets. You you feel good because you're comfortable, but you're always watching. <laughs> always keeping your eye on things because you never know when it could you know pop off
0: well forgive me this uh, this slightly bizarre outside view from from the uk but um I, I feel a bit like you know when you finish watching tiger king and you sort of feel a bit disappointed <laughs> and you think my god this this guy's unbelievably crazy isn't he but at the end of it you think oh i miss him i miss joe exotic <laughs> what am i gonna do with that joe exotic now
1: right <laughs> what yeah i want, I haven't seen an snl yet i sat in it live we gotta see how they're gonna play things now uh you no know, th- there is that just to, you know I, I i being in it i'll tell you yeah but the 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 pros outweigh the cons <laughs> being gone so uh yeah it's it, it it's it's been a weird time mm, you know outside
0: it's, it's been, been a weird, weird time words, yeah well thank you we, so much again and uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch and uh, obviously i not want to be part of your journey because it's a fascinating journey of course so thanks a lot for your time and thanks for inspiring people who are going to listen to this
1: i appreciate your time very very much uh and i do hope that uh you know something i said you know touches somebody somewhere and in... well, so thank you me.
0: so thank you so much <laughs> i shall stop recording now That was Money Faces. That was EdTech Innovators. We'll see you next time. Don't go changing and see you later.